0: Of better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another amazing edition of the Best Practices Show. Have you ever had to deal with conflict? And you wonder, how the heck can I do this and not lose my mind? Well, I have, and I'm sure anyone listening to this podcast has. Well, today, I have one of our amazing coaches on. Her name is Miranda Beeson, and we give you two frameworks, two paths for confident communication when it comes to conflict. I promise you, if you use these frameworks, they will make your life better and your practice better. So please listen to this episode. I know you'll enjoy it, and we'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. You ever struggle with conflict? I do. I've been clinically diagnosed as a wuss. I'm still a wuss, and so I need help. As you probably could imagine. and um, what I like are frameworks, structures, systems, you know, paths that we can use in order to deal with those conflicts because unresolved conflict ultimately becomes a crisis. And so today I've got one of our amazing coaches on. Her name is Miranda Beeson, and she is going to be giving a framework for us, and you guys got to listen to this. on how to master conflict, there's two paths to Confident Communication. Miranda, thanks for being on. I appreciate you so much.
1: Hey, Kirk. Thanks so much for having me back.
0: I love it. We're going to be back again and again and again and again. And what you guys will see is um, she's brilliant at helping us and all of us figure out this. But I, let's start here, Miranda. Like, why is this so important?
1: So this is so important because every single person in life ever encounters conflict and gets a little flooded on the inside around it and doesn't know exactly what to do. Some of the greatest challenges for dentists and leaders, practice owners is managing people. And we've been talking a lot over the summer and into the fall around the people piece of the practice and retaining team members and how difficult it is hiring people right now. And the culture is so important in a practice. And part of that is being able to address Important issues within the practice when they need to be addressed and doing so in a confident way That lands really well with our team So this is something that's come up quite often for me with clients recently, which is also part of why I wanted to bring it up uh, Just to provide a resource and I know if it's happening with my clients who are some of the best of the best that it's likely happening with other dentists and practice owners out there as well so you know, like you said, unresolved conflict always becomes crisis. And so we want to help leaders feel confident in approaching that conflict.
0: Yeah, totally. 100%. And I think you would agree with this. It's the best practices we coach are not in the absence of conflict. They actually have quite a bit of conflict, but they can handle it. And they're very good at resolving it, which increases trust. I always think of an Italian family, a lot of Italian friends growing up. And I remember sitting at their tables, even go to the weddings and they'd be shouting at each other and I would get so nervous and yet they'd hug each other later. And they're still to this day, some of the tightest families I've ever seen. It's so cool, but they knew how to deal with conflict, right?
1: Yeah. And actually it's funny that you bring that up because I use that example quite often with my teams when we're talking about working with team members addressing conflict and saying you know everyone's coming from a different place and a different background around how they manage conflict and right off the jump i want to set apart like this isn't confrontation conflict and confrontation are two different things conflict is just a difference of opinion in some capacity between two people or two parties so this happens between team members, and I'll use the example of, if you have one team member who comes from a large Italian family where you know there's a lot of vulnerable trust, they love each other to the ends of the earth, but they're loud about it. Mm-hmm. And if something comes up that they don't agree with, they're gonna bring it up and it's gonna be a heated discussion, but it's in a positive way. And then you have this other team member who comes from a household where nobody talks about conflict. We shove our emotions down. (laughs) We don't address those things. We're going to just keep the peace. And if these two team members have to address a difference of opinion, They're going to handle it in very, very different ways. And so if we can provide, like you said, some frameworks that everyone universally uses in the practice to address conflict, we can help to balance some of those individual environmental conditions that people are coming in with.
0: Yeah. So if you're following along and you're listening in your car, I'm going to tell you why this is extra important to me and possibly you. Is that if you're conflict averse, like myself, I hate it, and you're an I on the disc profile or an S, you know, you hate conflict. And so you don't deal with it, you find a way around it, you know, you just you just you're like, I am not going there today. It gets worse. And I'll tell you, when I don't deal with conflict, where I ultimately deal with it. I deal with it myself. And then I go home and I can't sleep because I'm hurting people's feelings and then I'm frustrated and it just snowballs into this very unhealthy, huge, exponential thing when all I had to do was just go right at it and go, okay, a couple things. And again, I love how you said that. It's not about confrontation. It's about, okay, there's a gap between expectations and reality. I'm going to go right there. and. Um, let's talk about like, how do I get my mind right? You know, you mentioned mindset matters. Like how does mindset work here?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing to pinpoint on what you just said was you mentioned you're an I or if you're an S. So 3% of the population are D style personalities, which actually don't mind directly. Actually D often stands for direct or dominant personality style. So if only 3% of the population really have a personality personality, personality style that's willing to take on conflict directly. That means 97% of the world are not. So anyone that's listening that's like, that's me, it's okay, because you're in the majority. And that's why we're doing this podcast, right? So mindset does matter. You have to be really intentional about wanting to improve the environment and grow as a team or as a leader around taking on conflict. And again, like we said, it's not confrontation. It's just how can we decrease that gap between expectations and the reality that we're seeing. And we have to let go of our need to be right or to go into it as if we have to win or um, that our solution is the only way. And so anytime we approach conflict, it's really important to be really, really open to new possibilities, to new ideas, listen to the other person. That's a part of that conflict conversation. And then also gently share our ideas so that we can have a conversation about it. The goal is that both parties end up satisfied, feeling heard and having a mutual outcome that's going to benefit the practice and our future as our future relationship.
0: Yeah. I love how you said you don't need to win. And again, I'll use some bathroom wisdom that my dad gave me many years ago. You can be right or you can be married, but you can't be both. And I think about that even at work. I'm like, I'd rather be married to all these people, like in a work way, you know what I mean? But like, I want to be in a great relationship that's healthy. You don't always have to win. And the other thing I would add too, is we're going to talk about conflict resolution and frameworks. I think you got to have something bigger, too, so that it binds us. You know what I mean? When it becomes a natural issue on conflict between expectations and reality, my favorite thing is I can always point to values. You know, it's a it's a bigger bond than, hey, look, you're not doing what I asked you to do. I can and I it's so funny that we're going through this exercise. You guys can understand this listening to this podcast, but it's the same thing I do at home. I always say to my kids, in this family, no one will ever do that. In the event you want to do that, you have to live somewhere else. And they're like, because, and then the statement goes right into the value statement, because we are people that do the right thing, whether you like it or not. And that's blah, 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 blah. So I'll pause right there, but you can understand this isn't just a work thing. This is like a, you know, this is a bigger thing. And um, so where do we go from here, Miranda? What yeah,
1: this is this is a life thing. This is uh, you have confrontation or um, conflict when you're on the phone with the cable company and they're not showing up when they say they were going to show up to run your wires. And how can I address that conversation? How many times are we just in life in a situation where it's like you are not happy with the outcome, but you're just going to sit there and take it because it's just too uncomfortable to try to address the situation. So the frameworks that we're going to talk about today, you can use literally anywhere. Um, but number one is again that mindset and just there's this thing called resisting your writing reflex and it's one of my favorite aspects of the concept of motivational interviewing and it's so hard to do but most of us in any given situation just you know we want to be right and we want to be heard and it's so important to resist that reflex to want to write the other person no 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 that's not how i see it no 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 like Your version of the truth is not the same as theirs. And so we just have to agree that we have different versions of the truth. And how can we get to a compromise and resist that reflex to write the other person?
0: I'm totally stealing that from you. Yeah. Resisting your. I stole
1: it from uh, Stephen Rolnick with motivational interviewing, but uh, resist your writing reflex. And actually, the example I use when I talk to dental professionals, uh, especially hygienists, and this gets us on a slight tangent but I'll go there very quickly is when you have a patient who you've recommended like periodontal care to and they didn't move forward but they come in next time and they say like I'm so excited because I bought that gum detoxifying toothpaste I saw the commercial I can't wait for you to tell me it's going to look so good in there and in my mind as a hygienist I'm like I know darn well that that toothpaste didn't cure your periodontal infection but I'm not going to immediately stop and write them and say like that doesn't work and but I'm going to go oh my gosh I'm so glad that you heard what we were talking about last time that there were concerns there and you went and took some action let's look at that together and see how you're doing the reality is they're not going to be doing probably any better than they were but I'm not going to take advantage of that situation and write them in that moment I'm going to resist my writing reflex And then take it as an opportunity later to work on that problem together. And they'll see it for themselves eventually. So
0: Love it. So take us through the ARCH method. What is it?
1: Okay. So when there's a a difference of opinion or a conflict and you really need to address that situation, this is a method of communication that what I really like about this and the second one we're going to talk about in just a little bit is it really allows for you to get your thoughts in order and have a systemized approach for how you go into the conversation. And it's going to allow you to minimize that emotional flooding that can happen during these conversations that derails your thought process and starts taking things in a different direction. So ARCH method stands, it's an acronym. So A stands for acknowledge and agreement. R stands for request. C is confirm and then H is hope. So I'll share with you a little bit about what each one of those means and we'll start with the A, Um, acknowledge and agreement. So what we wanna do right off the jump to help ease any tensions around the conflict is just acknowledge or agree to what we can about the issue. So the other person has a point of view and there's often a common place within the conflict or within the situation on, on which you can agree on something. So if you can find one thing within this point of conflict that you can agree on starting with an agreement or some acknowledgement of an agreement can be a really great starting point to immediately diffuse some of the tension within the conflict. So if you're listening to gain resolution, there's usually something within their perspective that you can agree upon.
0: Right. Can I ask you this question? So I love this one and this is where I I have to start, I'm actually coaching myself when I get in these situations, and I'm speaking way out of turn because I'm not a brain scientist, but a lot of the brain science behind it is I'm back in the fight or flight part of my brain. And when I can start to move to another part of the brain where I can think it's less emotional. My kids manipulate me all the time. I'll tell you this, man, whenever I'm fired up, they'll just ask me a question and it takes me right to the front of the brain. I'm like, you're manipulating. And it's not about that. It's just like, I calm down. And it's so interesting how you, you, this, that's not about this, but when you're, I want to go to a person who's in conflict. Like when I'm in conflict, I'm emotional. I'm dug Mm -hmm. in, I'm in fight or flight. And I'm not going to agree with anybody unless they're open to like meeting me a little bit. And then let me help you understand why. Is that where we're going with this?
1: Yeah. I mean, you're in the red zone a lot of times when you go into conflict. So a takeaway off to the side of that would be sometimes in the moment, it's not the best time to have the conflict conversation. Sometimes if there's something that's red hot, we need to step away from it for a moment before we come back to this so that we can allow our thoughts to process in this systematic way. Um, What you were just speaking of is mindfulness, right? When we talk about mindfulness, I used to use that technique with my son when he would get overheated when he was a little one and he had Nerf guns hanging on the wall and he'd be super irrational. And I'm like, okay, how many yellow Nerf guns do you have on the wall? How many orange? Because it takes, like you said, it takes them out of that emotional side of their brain and into the logical side of their brain where you can diffuse those emotions a little bit. So great point to bring up that sometimes we need to step away regroup and allow that frontal part of our brain to get into a more linear thinking fashion and go, okay, what, and I say even write this down, like have a piece of paper that has A-R-C-H and you sit down and work through those thoughts for each one, get it on paper, and you can even use the piece of paper if you need to in guiding through the conversation and you can tell the other person, like I'm really trying to do a better job of managing conflict conversations. There's a book called Crucial Conversations that I really love. And I'm trying to do better at managing these crucial conversations. I'm going to use this paper because I wrote down some thoughts because I want us to really end up in a good place with this. I mean, how cool would it be if you had someone coming to you with that much thought into how they're going to approach you to make sure this goes well versus just coming at it emotionally
0: flooded? It's mutually beneficial for each party to do this. And I'm, if you're a listener, you got to do this. Like if you're in conflict, write it down. A-R-C-H. And the other thing, I know we could go on a lot of tangents. Another thing that I've learned as I've aged is I don't send the text message that quick anymore. I don't send the email that quick. I used to write out my thoughts and go, man, I just really want to help people understand where I'm coming from And then I would send it and people would be like, you can't do that. Like, you're just you're just sandblasting us at night with all of these thoughts. And I've learned don't send the text message. You know, if you're going to write it, don't send it. (laughs) And
1: And first and foremost, stop and instead of I want this person to understand where I'm coming from, it's maybe I should take a minute to try to understand where they're coming from. Right? 100%. That's that's the responding versus reacting. And we've all done that with the text message. You type it out and then you erase it. And then you type it out and then you erase it. And it's probably good to just, if you're doing that, just don't reply until tomorrow morning. (laughs) Good rule of thumb.
0: (laughs) Totally. 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 So, and then walk us through a little bit more of the ARCH. So, you know, acknowledge in agreement. We want to find some type of, you know, where we can agree and then we could both call it out in a vulnerable way just say listen i know we we're we're in conflict right now but can we agree that we need to find a mutually agreeable resolution and then how do i get to request
1: absolutely so i have a little example that i'll share with you after each one here so with acknowledge so an off an a common occurrence within a dental practice is when somebody feels like they're the primary person managing sterilization it comes up a lot only so-and-so is in there the other person's not so say you have two dental assistants and they're in conflict because one of them feels like they're carrying way more of the load around managing sterilization and the other one's just seeing patients and not doing any of the extras right so if we look at acknowledge and you have to conf- uh, you're being confronted by this person um, in, in this conflict way. So again, easy. I totally agree with you, Susie. Um, there are a lot of responsibilities that we're both responsible for and we should share the load. Right? So, so if Susie comes to me and says, I don't think you're doing enough to help with sterilization. I'm in there all day long. I never see you come in there when I'm in there and I'm just really frustrated. So to acknowledge or create a place of agreement, I can say like, Susie, you're exactly right. There's a lot of extra responsibilities outside of just seeing our patients. And I think we should share the load. Now that doesn't speak to why I'm not, and yeah, but you did this last week and I, right. Because we have to be moving forward in the conflict, but we can at least agree that there's a lot of extra responsibilities outside of patient care, and we should share those responsibilities. So once we've reached that place of acknowledgement and agreement, the next piece, which is the R is request. So making a a request either for a solution, uh, for an idea from them to contribute, possibly to request bringing someone else into the conversation if we feel like it's elevated beyond what we can facilitate on our own. But the main thing is we wanna keep the conversation moving forward. So we start with an agreement piece and now to keep moving forward, we're gonna make a request. So in that same example, I might say, like, I really do try to help throughout the day. I just get so busy. I really can't find the time very often. Maybe you can share with me how you're working the time in. If you feel like you're in there throughout the day, maybe you can help me to figure out what you're doing different than what I'm doing so that I can be in there more often. So that's a request from that person to start moving into solving the situation.
0: Love it. Love it. And then as far as confirm goes, where do I go with that?
1: So after we've made the request and we discuss what that looks like, so now Susie has shared with me, well, what I normally do is this, and maybe you could try doing that. Or, hey, what if in the morning we look at the day and I'm in there in the morning, and then you go in after lunch and you're the one who primarily does it after lunch. Okay, great. So now we wanna confirm what that solution is that we've discovered together after making our request. And so we wanna make sure that once we've made an agreement, we confirm the details, too many conversations go wrong or the conflict repeats itself because we weren't clear. Right. So we might've discussed a solution, but when we did, we both heard that solution a little bit differently. So if we actually verbalize and make a lot of clarity around what we've decided to do to help solve this, then we're all going to be really clear on the expectation. So, literally say out loud, a summary of what you heard the conclusion to be and what that path forward is. So you know, for example, so we can agree that you're going to make sterilization your priority prior to lunch, and I'll make sterilization my priority after lunch, like you literally say it out loud. And everyone agrees that this is what we're doing moving forward.
0: Yeah. One thing I'll just be transparent here is this is a big one for me on confirm. So, you know, for using the ARCH method, it works. It really works. And the hard is the hard part for me is A and C. And so as you can imagine, A. Now, C is important. And I'll tell you why. This is really important. Because you're going to mutually agree on something. And it's really important for the other party to see that you're doing what we agreed to do. So I like to do it either during or right after. I'll do it immediately as where I used to agree, then do some additional research. Not really, do you know what I mean? And, And you know that becomes unhealthy. You're like, okay, she's just very tough to deal with. I just, we agreed to do, I'm just going to look for another solution and just try to get out of this wholeheartedly, which makes it 10 times more unhealthy. What you ultimately want to do is create this undercurrent of trust that you continuously go to conflict and they can see the bald guy is following a process, which means I can trust him, even when I'm really pissed off, that at the end, it's still going to end and he's still going to do what he says he's going to do, even if he doesn't like it. And I can trust him in this space. Am I, am I on the right path with this at all?
1: You absolutely are. What I love is this now creates a brand new expectation. Once you've confirmed what this solution is, what our path forward is, we now have this level playing field, this new expectation that if we honor it and we do both move forward and honor this commitment we've made to each other, now you do have this elevated level of trust between each other where you're gonna feel more comfortable next time going right into that conflict conversation because it was so successful the last time. And then the other side of that is, if because we all know that sometimes it does work out where that person still doesn't go in after lunch to do their part of sterilization but we've created this new clear expectation where we can now go back to that conflict and this is where you and I say often we can't argue with our own data someone can't argue with their own data if you have verbalized this commitment to each other and you've set this clear expectation if it doesn't happen we can come back to this conversation using the same method and go back through our arch steps and say, we made this commitment, here's my request from you and now we're going to have to find a new path forward. So what I really love is it does help to build that vulnerable based trust because majority of the time it ends up really solid. We all take action on that path that we agreed upon and we go like, oh my gosh, I can have a conversation about a difference of opinion or something that's bothering me and I can have a really positive outcome from that. How about that? Maybe I'll try it again sometime.
0: Yeah, that's so great. Now, how do we use the hope in this scenario and why is that important?
1: Sure. So hope is really ending that conversation and that conflict conversation with positive gratitude around being able to take this on together, looking at the good of what's to come from it all. What is this better outcome that we're going to be moving into? Really communicating your optimism and hope for the future that's going to come from this new agreement. So if we look at the example we were given, um, you know, I'm really glad Susie that we were able to talk about this. I really don't want you feeling like you carry my share all day as well. I hope that trying this new way where we split the day is gonna lighten the load for both of us. This might be a better option than we ever would have come up with if we hadn't had this conflict. So just looking at the future and being really hopeful for what this decision and resolution that we came to together can really provide that's going to better our lives in the end.
0: Yeah. And my, my hope is that you do use the hope because it puts it in a good trajectory. Now, most notably, you'll be able to use this when you have a discrepancy with a team member that you hired that you think you might have to let go. And so we have a tool called the right person scorecard. And it really works this way that you do follow the ARCH method. And the last part of it is the H where you're like, hey, listen, It's not meeting expectations of where I think we should be confirming. And so here's what we'll do together. And then I really hope you're the person that can do this. And I've got you. I'm here to help you. And I I love this piece because after the clarity, you can tell them, like, I really do want. And they will know the next time once we have this, if we go back, we that we're not meeting those expectations. And even then you can say, I hope you find the right role for you. You know, what we've learned together is this probably isn't the role for you, but I still have that hope for you. You know? Yeah, so.
1: it's really kind of the positivity sandwich. A lot of people like to receive feedback in that positivity sandwich of like something really good, the tough stuff in the middle, something really good. And that's really what the arch technique provides because in the beginning, we're starting with that really positive mindset and diffusing the emotion around something we can agree upon so that we're starting off in a more positive place. And then we're ending it with that statement of hope and statement of gratitude. And hopefully people are genuine about their hope and gratitude for being able to take this on and just be better in the long run because we were both willing to work through this together.
0: Yeah, it's so good. So that's the first model that we have for dealing with conflict. What's the second model?
1: The second model is called the awareness wheel. And again, I take no onus for creating this whatsoever, but I did work with a practice years and years and years ago. This was prior to even having all of my children and the doctor really insisted that as a team we communicate through the awareness wheel anytime there was conflict like had worksheets for us to like write out the problem to get us and our minds really trained around how to have a conversation in this way and what's great about it like i talked about earlier around mindset is if you're really intentional and you really put it to practice i can talk with an awareness wheel without a worksheet no problem you know 15 20 years later So the great thing about the awareness wheel is it makes everything about me. So I have a problem with a team member or with a colleague or a patient for that matter. And that's probably the example we'll use today is um, when someone's late and you can relate it to a team member or to a patient. Um, But it it really is all about me. We use subject, I mean, uh, objective data, like facts that we can't argue with. And then how do I feel about it? What do I want in the long run? And it's there, we really avoid you statements throughout the awareness wheel as much as possible. So if you imagine a wheel, there's several components within that wheel, and we really start with just sharing what is, like what is the fact at hand that is inarguable amongst either person involved in the conflict. And there's no you statements going on here at all. It's just what is. So, for example, to help illustrate this, if we are talking about uh, maybe a team member consistently showing up late to huddle and we have these team agreements that tell us that we're going to be here by 7, 10 a.m. for huddle every day, and now it's been three times this week that this team member has been late. And so what we have to start with is, again, no subjectivity or feelings. It's just an observation of the facts. We have agreed to be here by 7, 10 a.m. to start huddle on time and three times this week you've been late and arrived in the middle of huddle so that's inarguable like that's literally what happened now the important piece here is you have to actually state what actually happened we right. can't story tell or exaggerate or make assumptions it's just we made this agreement to arrive at this time and I noticed three times that your arrival was in the middle of huddle So that's just step one. That's the first piece of the wheel is this unarguable piece of data. Right. It takes emotion out of it.
0: Yeah. And so we, I I can, make this a one hour and a half to two hour podcast on just this topic alone. Uh, And I love this stuff. We geek out on this stuff. So if you're wondering how to collect data, it's a great little tip. Have team members fill out a yellow post-it note whenever they're late with the time and the reason they were late. So it doesn't interrupt the huddle and then just collect them and put on the wall. So you don't even have to say, I mean, I want you to say what Miranda said, but you can actually just go over and go, okay, you can see this one is 722. And this is the reason this one says 728 and this one says one. So as you can see, I've got three pieces of data here that don't cooperate with what we've agreed to. The important piece is it's not the sticky notes. It's the data or the objective piece, right?
1: Absolutely. Because we want to make sure that it's not about an opinion and we can't turn this around uh, to the person bringing up the conflict and saying, you you feel this way about me or you're just storytelling, you're making assumptions. No, we want to make sure it's very clear. And if you flip this to a, a patient being late for their appointment, you know Susie I keep using Susie poor Susie Uh, Susie we agreed that you would be here at 7 a.m. with dr. awesome and you arrived at 715 a.m. for your one-hour appointment so there's no this, that, or the other about it. That's just what happened. You agreed, you confirmed it at seven, you showed up at 7.15. We now only have 45 minutes. It's just a fact and we can deliver it in a very kind way. And then the next piece of this wheel or puzzle is sharing an I statement and usually leading in with something like I imagine or I assume so that it's your, this is what I'm thinking about the situation. Tell me if I'm right or wrong right? So in the same example around huddle, we can just say, you know, I imagine that something really important has been holding you up, or, you know, giving them the benefit of the doubt, or I imagine that you don't realize the impact that you being late to huddle has on the team and to our day. But just putting out there, this is what I'm assuming this is what I'm imagining about the situation. So again, it's an I statement. And it allows for what I'm creating in my mind around this scenario to be put into the space, because there may be something that we don't know. And we may be creating a little bit of storytelling and they will have the opportunity to then share their side of, of what that all means. And they may say like, you know what, you're right. I've really been struggling taking care of my elderly mother. She moved in with me. I didn't tell you, but she's got dementia now and it's really hard to get out the door in the morning. And like, Wouldn't you want to know that so that you can be supportive of your team member if something's changed in their life?
0: For sure. For sure. And then finishing out the wheel, you just kind of want to reinforce what we've agreed to or its impact, or most importantly, probably the why on the awareness, right?
1: Yeah. So after you share what I imagine or what I assume, you want to share your feelings, you know? So For example, in this scenario, again, you're going to leave with an I feel statement an I statement. So I feel concerned that patient care is going to be affected because you're missing important details at that first part of the huddle. And then the next piece is another I statement I want or I desire. So I want for all of us to uphold our team agreements and start our huddle at 710 so that we can be best for our patients throughout the day. And then the last piece is gonna be sharing an action item or, or the next step. So I will count on you to be here on time moving forward and letting me know if there's a reason that that isn't feasible. Yeah. So again, if we go back to what all those pieces are, it's, it's sharing the what is, and then sharing an I statement around I imagine or I assume, whatever it is the story that you're telling yourself about the situation, And then share your state I statement around your feelings. I feel this way about the situation because, and then I want this to happen as a result. And in the end, what would be the agreement or the next steps that we need to put into place in order to get there?
0: Yeah, I want to go back to one thing that you said consistently here, I statements, because I made this mistake 10,000 times. I would use you statements. You didn't show, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. And why is that so inflammatory when I use the word you? Like it, you're just setting the basis for another fire, don't you think, when you're using you?
1: Absolutely. It's going to create A defense mechanism right off the jump with the other person that you're talking to so like we were saying before we want to make sure that any type of conflict conflict conversation feels like in the end there's this mutual benefit and that we leave on a positive note and it doesn't become confrontation if you just start making accusations without really knowing the details then they're going to respond in a very defensive nature Versus ultimately, if I'm upset about this situation with Susie being late to huddle, that's a me problem right now. Susie doesn't even know this is a problem right, right now, but I've been dwelling on it in my mind for you know a whole week every single time she walked in the door late. And so right now it's a me problem. And my responsibility to my teammate is to let them know how I am feeling about it. Yeah. to give them the opportunity to then share what is the truth on their end about why this is happening and how can we collectively make an agreement to move forward that's going to be beneficial.
0: Yeah, this is so good. You guys, this is one of the toughest things I've ever had to deal with in my life and I'm still recovering. I, I'm This is a lifelong journey for me because I hate conflict. One thing you'll understand is as you use what Miranda is giving you, you can be less concerned about how people are going to respond. A lot of times I wouldn't go there because I was fearful that they were going to freak out. They were going to cry. It was going to cause a fight. And it did sometimes when I didn't have, but if you just stay consistent with this in these two models, you'll find don't be responsible for people how I respond and they don't respond as bad as you think they would. They'll go, oh, I wasn't even aware. The second thing you'll find is that your consistency as a leader matters. So as you use these things, you'll find that your best team members will go, oh, okay, and they'll respond positively to this Mm -hmm. as where the people that don't make the fit won't go in that direction and it'll be clear. Now, number three, everyone's watching you. So you have this one issue with a team member and you have a team of 12. They're watching you to see if you're going to handle this in an emotionally intelligent way. Am I on the right path?
1: you're on the right path one of the things we learned at our leadership conference recently was really having we talk all the time about e minus r equals c expectations minus reality equals conflict and it's one of my favorite equations to throw into a space when something like this is happening and what they talked about at the summit was you put very clear expectations out and then reward consistently when people meet those expectations and then correct consistently when they're not meeting those expectations Mm -hmm. and so the really important piece here is expectations so if a team member a, a doctor a practice owner that i'm working with comes to me and says you know i don't really love what jane has been wearing to work lately i feel like it's not quite professional enough okay what's jane's expectation of what she's supposed to be wearing to work. And have we made that really clear? Or we have so many patients that are arriving 10, 15 minutes late. Okay. What's the expectation that the patient has around their arrival time? Are they expected to be early on time? Do they expect that it's okay to have a grace period? What have we created as an expectation within the practice? And then if we haven't, now we need to set an expectation and so that's what this gives us an opportunity to do either correct on those expectations that are not being met in a way that is not confrontational but constructive or set a clear expectation around something that maybe we haven't been really clear about in the past but there's a conflict within us and that person doesn't even know that we're in conflict because that expectation hadn't been set clear before
0: So well said, so well said. And I still have so many questions and yet I can't keep you for another hour for this one. So Miranda, give us some final takeaways on this, uh, if I'm listening.
1: Sure. So really important in any crucial conversation like this is to keep moving forward, not talking backwards very rarely are we going to agree on what the situation looks like or the circumstances that happened in the past we're going to see them in a different light that's why we're in conflict so the most important thing is don't talk backwards as much as possible once we get the fact of the matter out there let's keep moving forward and redirecting the conversation into creating new and better solutions and a new future where we can find agreement And move forward instead of focusing on what's happened in the past Uh, we're never going to make progress if we revert into the past so just no talking backwards as much as possible and the other piece to that that kind of correlates is really just listen more and talk less takes us back to the very beginning of our conversation on this podcast around how important it is to not just get your opinion across but really listen to the opinion of the other person A conflict doesn't happen with just one person, right? It takes two people to end up in a situation where we need to have these conversations. And our opinion is not the only one that is relevant or important or that matters. So there's a phrase that I learned long ago, which was be interested, not interesting. And so it's just as important to hear from someone else and be interested in their perspective as it is in sharing your own. You have to seek first to understand before you can be understood,
0: 100%. So that is so good, so well said, Miranda. And at the end of the day, if you're a dentist and you own a dental practice, your biggest challenge isn't the dentistry. <laughs> It's the interpersonal stuff. It's the relationships. And if you deal with them by using these frameworks, you can create a very, very healthy environment where it's not only healthy between you and team members, but you're going to see team members will have healthy relationships with other team members. And I'll tell you, it makes going to work so much fun. And if you don't, the circumstances of having an unhealthy culture is you even question if you want to go to work anymore. This is just so painful I don't want to deal with this anymore and team members don't want to deal with each other and somebody hasn't been a healthy steward of this environment. So thank you so much, Miranda. This is so good.
1: No problem. I was so glad to be here. And I just want to say, too, if you're listening and you haven't gone back and listened, there's a really great podcast around why trust requires rules in your practice. So if you haven't listened to that one or seen that one, go back because it builds on what we're talking about right now around making those relationships through rules and expectations with your team members.
0: Yeah. And if you enjoyed this podcast, which I know you did do us a favor and you weren't taking notes, you can go down to the notes, whether you're listening to Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and we take notes for you. That's one of the fun things about this podcast is You can just flip up to the notes and everything Miranda's mentioned, including a link to that podcast, you can just link, just click it and you can listen to it. And uh, if you still need some help, you can reach out to Gina on our team and she'll help you find a coach that'll help you build confidence in leading your team. And her email is Gina at actdental.com. We just don't want you to struggle with any of this. Resolving this conflict is an important part of you enjoying the journey in dentistry And uh, I'll tell you when you do, it makes it all that much more fun. So awesome, awesome. We'll stick around, Miranda, while we say goodbye to everybody else. But uh, thank you guys for listening to the Best Practices Show. I hope you guys enjoyed today. We're going to keep bringing it over and over and over again with great coaches, great thinkers, great leaders. And every single time, we're going to bring you great information. And I hope that you listen to this. When you're driving to work, cutting the grass, going on a walk, doesn't matter. And every little bit of it improves your practice and your life. So keep showing up. And so until we see you guys next time, or you hear from us next time, keep watching or keep listening to The Best Practices Show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.